90s I was in a very famous TV show Untitled Bojack Bojack Horseman Project This is the intro Hello and welcome to Untitled Bojack Horseman Project. This is unsurprisingly a Bojack Horseman podcast. My name is Matt Waters. I'm joined by my co-host and will be for this whole mini-series by Ben Phillips. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I got to watch one of my favourite shows of the 2010s in like a fairly contracted period of time. So I'm actually feeling very happy oh, did, and did you watch like the entire show start to finish and you're just gonna remember no, it all for the next i've only done <laughs> one so far yes um, so that is the way it will work you know in a world where we had the staying power we'd maybe do one episode per episode but we are doing one season per episode i'm afraid so yes we will just today in this inaugural episode be discussing uh season one uh, the the mm, shakily received season one, likely because they only put early ones out for review, and it takes a few episodes for this one to uh, to stick. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's actually interesting when you read into the behind the scenes on it, where like IndieWire, <laughs> yeah, IndieWire like put out a statement and said like we will never ever review a Netflix show now without seeing the full season, and <laughs> uh, it. I mean, I think it's more a case of. A lot of the time when someone comes to you and says, like, oh, this show gets really good by the time you get to the finale or, like, but get to season two and you'll, like, be really enjoying mm. it. And I, I remember Alan Seppel wrote a piece a couple of years ago about, like, watching all of Billions and being like, I've watched, like, three seasons of this show and in some way I feel like it's Stockholm syndrome to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's not good television, but, like, I enjoy it because I've spent so much time with it. Yeah, at a certain and, point, you've invested so many hours, you kind of have to see it through. Otherwise, you're the chump if you quit early, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as what happens with, like, video game psychology, where people get so hyped about a game, and so when the reviews start coming out, they're like, no, 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 I've invested, like, a good chunk of my personality in being excited for this game, and now you're telling me it's bad, it can't be bad, your, your reviewers are wrong. The stop puddles wrong. and Spider-Man are just... just ugh. But, I mean... It, for as valid as that is, and I remember way back when, finally giving it a chance, because everybody was talking about it, and the first couple of episodes I was like, yeah, I guess it's a thing. There is an awful lot, right from the start, that is incredibly important for multiple seasons. Like, they get a lot of long-term continuity out of these episodes that a lot of people probably don't remember as well, and they probably don't remember where some of this stuff comes from like a little innocuous thing like David Boreanaz's house you know like where, yeah. they, where they mistake Bojack's house on a stars tour and then that follows for years and years and pays off with that joke when you know when he gets his his fancy new tv show and they're like this looks exactly like my house it's like, oh yeah the uh, the set designer took a tour of David Boreanaz's house and it's like <laughs> that's all from season one and like I don't know I mean I've seen people do remember but it's like yeah you've got all that stuff with like Sarah Lynn and Herb and and Charlotte and and all yeah, of like, that stuff is all Charlotte right was, here. <laughs> Charlotte was the one for me where I was like, oh yeah, season one ends with the Charlotte episode, and like when it didn't happen, I was like, wait, am I like completely misremembering? I think that is like season two is obviously the show taking a leap. I think mm. the show gets really good by the end of season one, but I think season two is definitely like 
the show elevates into this is one of the best shows on television yeah. and stays there for the rest of the run. Whereas season one, it, it starts shaky. It establishes an awful lot of what they're going to do. I think they're just, they've got that classic, like, we're a new show. We're kind of like establishing our footing, establishing mm-hmm. what the characters' voices are going to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, 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 when do you think the show kind of like clicks into place? Because I, I think on a rewatch, it's more enjoyable faster. But I think for me, on a if I can cast my mind back to a first run through, I think somewhere around the halfway point, honestly, like either our story is a D story, uh, RA story is a D story, or say anything. Yeah, um, like, I think, and then I, I remember think... I remember the end of the telescope into Horse Majeure being like, whoa. <laughs> but I do think it is. I think say anything, uh, particularly watching that one again this time, I was like, oh, this is like really good. I, like, I think that was because it's obviously one of those things where you come into the show and you could buy someone being skeptical about, oh, it's an animated TV show with Will Arnett, Alison Brie, and Aaron Paul. They've just kind of well, like picked out well, yeah. three three nice sexy TV names that you can throw out, and then yeah. one of them like more quietly devastating episodes of season one is is Amy Sedaris doing the the say anything episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, I feel like, I don't know if it's literally once a season, but I, I feel like once a season we get, like, a Princess Carolyn episode, and it's always, like, super fucking sad, and, like, the name of this podcast comes from just a uh, hauntingly sad thing that happens, and yet here we are making a podcast name out of it. So, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about, you know, the cast and, and, and stuff like that. We pr- probably should acknowledge in this first one, like, yeah, so, like, created by Raphael Bob Waxberg, childhood friend of, of Lisa Hannawalt, um, and, and, you know, she is an illustrator, I believe, while they were working on a web thing together, uh, among her many drawings was, like, were, like, some depressed-looking horse men, and he just came up with Bojack the Depressed Talking Horse. Uh, he also, like, you know, he, he moved, as, as many do, um, to Hollywood, to Los Angeles to try and get into the TV business or, or, and the movie business, and I think he said something about, like, staying with a friend at their house on the Hollywood Hills and, like, looking out at the view and being like, my God, this is lonely. And it's like, are you Todd? <laughs> like, are you the Todd to someone else's Bojack? Um, and it does become a show that is very much... I mean, yeah, I don't want to be like, oh, we're, we're complete experts, we're the blank check guys. But, like, yeah, I, I do wonder what people who aren't as, like, up on the inside practices of Hollywood get out of this by comparison. Because there's so many, like, just fucking bullseye, dead eye, like, this is exactly how this all, or you hear this all works, I should say, when I'm actually I th- in Hollywood. <laughs> when they get to One Trick Pony and they're shooting the fake movie and like halfway through it becomes like a sci-fi epic where they're like shooting on a green scoon and replacing Naomi Watts with like a tennis ball in like 2014 and I'm like I mean obviously it's cutting at the time but we're still only like two years post Avengers at that point and it's an animated TV show which is and I love Naomi Watts being like when will Hollywood get sick of writing three-dimensional female characters (laughs) Always game for it, all the celebs that they get. Um, perhaps none more so than Jessica Biel when she's going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, th- I do like season one. They kind of like are quite smart to keep it to like relatively TV people. But then as it goes on, they obviously get like bigger and bigger names. And like like season two was obviously one that hinges on. Hey, look, we have Lisa Kudrow for like most of the season. Yeah. But but early on, it's definitely like a, b- a bunch of guys that you would expect to see on most TV shows, but probably like elevated that slight bit because yeah. it's netflix chucking money out in the early days where they're just like yeah sure we'll pay the rate for like 
Stanley Tucci to play a recurring role for <laughs> the entire length of the show. Oh man, Stanley Tucci as Herb is is fantastic. But yeah, like so this is this is Raphael Barbaksberg's like first thing that he got made, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, um, I, mean, I don't I don't know whether or not he's got like he hung out in writers' rooms. He's like uncredited on like a billion things, but like mm. you go to his IMDb and this is like the first thing. So yeah. I, 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 it's one of those things where, again, we're going to talk a lot about Netflix <laughs> over the course of this miniseries. Um, including it's going to get more unpleasant as we go on. As we go along, including to the fact where, like, very conveniently, the uh, spiritual sister show to, to BoJack Horseman conveniently gets cancelled by Netflix after one season, the moment after the animation studio for this TV show uh, unionises. Yeah. Um, <laughs> conveniently yeah. uh, but like obviously we netflix will not be coming up in 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 bright name uh, or sorry in, in a good light over the course of this however in these early days especially when you notice it because i think it is a trend that we're seeing in in netflix we saw it in amazon we're seeing it in the early days now with apple tv and hopefully they don't take the trend of the other streamers mm-hmm. where in the early days they're throwing money at anything to try and get credibility if these ideas are like floating around or there's buzzy people and whatnot let's get them on payroll give them the the ability to make their dream project to make us seem more like like uh, like critically uh, a critical darling essentially and that's what netflix did in the early eras with like one orange the new black and and house of cards and obviously this show and the marvel netflix things like there's obviously this thing of like let's appeal to the the the, t- the tastemakers in television more than anything, and then yeah. Amazon was the same. Like, hey, we're gonna have uh, the marvelous Mrs. Meisel, which obviously only just ended, but was still like their first. Like, this is our beacon. We are making critical acclaimed shows, and then you look at what they're doing now, and Netflix is like, yeah, the biggest show that we've got for the year is a remake of an anime, and Amazon is spending billions and billions and billions of dollars on making Lord of the Rings television shows into the most expensive thing of all time, and. I feel like neither of them give a shit about like a Bojack. A Bojack Horseman could not happen in mm. in twenty twenty three world at either Netflix or Amazon. I don't think. Nope, cancelled after two seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, and and so yeah, he he pitches his his many shows. This is the one he likes the the best. Like they they, it goes through some some tweaks like. Michael Eisner wants Bojack to be a retired racehorse that develops into your like secretariat storyline, um, stuff like that. Like Mr. Peanut Butter is dramatically different, uh, and they they land their cast, um, and we should probably you know talk about our main principal cast of the show. So Will Arnett is Bojack, as you've said to me. Like it is remarkable that you know in a world where every time I hear a celebrity do voice acting and just be the fucking worst at it i just i just die a little inside they cast sort of three three and a half like people who are almost exclusively like you know had done very little if any voice work before this are those people who are like quote unquote taking jobs from voice actors and they get incredible performances out of all of them um so will arnett is is bojack horseman and like i feel this launches will arnett as not just Job from Arrested Development, but like, hey, this is Will Arnett. You can put him in things, kind of thing. And it's all, it is also the era of Netflix is the home of Will Arnett, which because <laughs> yeah. they obviously do 
they re, re obviously the year before this they do the rebirth of Arrested Development in 2013. Yeah. He's then the lead of this in 2014, and then I think he's got um, Flaked coming in 2016, which is like another one of his like yeah. weird Netflix live action shows. And even then, I think he's got like other things on Netflix yeah. that he just keeps coming back for. Like Murderville is Netflix, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's their version of Murder and Successful, and it's like half as funny, but still. Pretty alright. Very good Christmas episode when they get Jason Bateman on there because of, you know, the history there. Yeah, like, the show, it's, it feels dumb to say, but, like, the show doesn't work if he's not excellent, and he really fucking is. Like, he's always had this, you know, hypnotically, like, deep, gravelly voice, like, as Job and everything, and, like, I think I agree that, like, the character of Job, while he's a fucking doofus, there is just, like, this intense even if he's not aware of it, sadness to that character. <laughs> I think Garnett really nails that. And, like, I think he's very good at, like, just really lonely, like, sad little men who, like, project all this outward confidence. And, yeah, it just, it really goes in there. And, like, you know, he's playing someone who is infinitely more famous than he is. And he he steps up to that. So I don't know if he's, like, observed other actors <laughs> while working or is just, like, pretending he was a bigger star than he was. But... Yeah, it, it's funny as well because he's got a similar vibe to H. John Benjamin, and obviously H. John <laughs> Benjamin is far more of a voice actor. But yeah. it is this thing where like he doesn't change his voice; he isn't doing no. anything really. Even when he's playing other characters in the show, like he's playing like BoJack's dad, mm, it's just he doesn't rougher. change. He's just, he's just had more whiskey and cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, he's not really doing a vocal performance on this, no. but like he does manage to just figure out innately in in delivery and whatnot how to make this character different to Job. Yeah. And it's a really fascinating thing where, like, I guess it's similar to, like, a Julie Kavner on, on The Simpsons where, like, mm. she is not as talented as... or not as talented a, a kind of, like, a, a range of voices as a lot of the rest of the cast, but, like, she still can nail the kind of, like, those subtle differences between yeah. the two or three characters that she does play. And, like, Leela on Futurama, like, everyone else in the cast is doing, like, 12 voices, and she's like, I'm gonna, I'm turning up, I'm doing Leela, I'm going home. And, like, yeah. you know, she was more famous than, than them, so I get it, but... But it's still yeah. but it's still very different to, like, Married of Children, it's still very different to Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. It is yeah. a performance, but it is, yeah. but it's a different kind of performance that you normally yeah. see from, from professional voice actors. And I, I do, like, you know, to backtrack, you mentioned H. John Benjamin, I, I've always loved that, like, Bob from Bob's Burgers and Archer from Archer. It's the same fucking voice. It's just one is like super fucking confident and the other is just like a broken man who has many worries. Even though the voice is the same, it's the like minor it's it's the pep in the step is the only difference. And yeah. it works. Yeah, so Arnett is Bojack and we will talk much and many about how fucking good Arnett is as Bojack throughout the show. Amy Sedaris is Princess Carolyn, uh his his ever loving abused agent slash ex girlfriend. Um I didn't really know anything about Amy Sedaris. She was like the name in the cast I didn't know when I started watching it. And now I'm like Oh, that's Princess Carolyn when I see and hear her and other things. Yeah, she's one of those, like, a consummate professional. I think most well-known for Strangers with Candy, which was her, like, TV show in the late 90s uh, on, on Comedy Central. She is a prostitute and drug addict who goes back to high school. So she is playing older. But, like, right. that was created by, like, Stephen Colbert before he does The Daily Show and before he does The Colbert Report. Okay. Um, so, like, that that's probably, like, the her biggest like film credit and then i think she just kind of like floats around 
a bunch of stuff like she's she's on Sex and the City, she does Elf, she's uh, like yeah, she is just a not quite in the like SNL bracket, like just hanging out and doing a lot of those kind of roles in in many many things. But this is I do think this is probably like her most substantial and long running thing she's ever done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, she's, like, the sympathetic, like, oh, <laughs> But, like, over time, she gets so much of her own pathos and everything. Um, Alison Brie as Diane Nguyen. Vietnamese-American Diane Nguyen, played by incredibly white Alison Brie. Not ideal, but... They, they literally <laughs> just got in under the wire before, like, <laughs> the entire animated landscape of the American, American animated shows recast every single one of their characters of colour who was voiced by a, oh, by yeah. a white voice actor. Uh, I think, like, l- that literally happens, like, 2020, 2020 2021 yeah. is when, obviously, like, Big Mouth and The Simpsons and just all Central the good shows. Park and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, she's good is the problem, but, like, she yeah, is objectively, if you did this again, it probably should have been ideally a Vietnamese-American person, but at least an Asian-American person. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it is a... For a show that is as diverse on screen as it is, it obviously is very, very white in terms of like the big names um, mm. up until like really quite late into it. I mean, I think yeah. Hollycock is like the only person of color who you would even say is like close to being a main cast member yeah. by the end. Yeah, and I guess and she, Diane's, yeah. you know, you get Lakeith Stanfield in there as Diane's boyfriend, they get married or. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do. There is some of it where, like, some of it is quite funny in terms of obviously later on in the season, they cast Naomi Watts to play Diane Nguyen in, in yes. a movie, which is objectively funny. Yeah. So it's obviously something that they are aware of. It's just yeah. you wish they were more aware of it in the casting department. Although. In the movie, they're making is her last name Nguyen, or have they made the character white to make it more like palatable to middle america or whatever who knows I, I do remember that the, the obviously bob waxberg did a did a thread when all of the shit was happening with mm-hmm. changing the voice actors and he was like i think we realized our mistake like a season in and kind of like re like really regretted not having Alison brie but casting a white person in that role mm-hmm. and it was just something they had to roll with afterwards but i do remember like a very long fourth or thread from him because of her obviously being aware of the failings that they had in the show and it's one of those moments where like i do think he is one of those guys in hollywood who like is actually genuinely thinking yeah i I think it's hard to defend it like because there's no way back to it where you don't go oh yeah it doesn't matter they can be white um but I think he feels bad in a way that some of these people probably don't. Like, Matt Groening is very famously been like, this is fucking stupid, you should let Hank Azaria play up like, But Matt Groening's quite a crotchety old man, so... Yeah, Alison Brie, obviously, like, coming off Community, um, I assume... Mad Men. And Mad Men, yes. But, I mean, I assume she gets in here and takes this because it's, like, as Community is ending, or, like, just before the final season kind of thing. So, like... Yeah, I think it, it, some of it does feel like... So I feel like a lot of them are looking for projects after their last big thing. Like, yeah. Brie and Paul are the two two in particular, where it's like, yeah. is this something that's a little bit easier, a little bit, like, less like, publicity-wise draining than the previous big thing that we did? It's a nice little paycheck. You, you go down the place, you read your lines in a quiet room, you probably don't do a huge amount of press. 
easy gig and then on to the next thing probably is the mentality i mean maybe i'm being cynical about how actors choose projects but i, I do think a lot of people that do animation think it is like a day off kind of thing yeah but, um, I, but the thing is i don't think any of them phone it in which no, I think no, is actually really like really good for this because yeah. this could be that thing where like a bunch of mm. alison brie and and aaron paul are coming at it from our big tv shows have just ended let's just take a paycheck for this Netflix thing and it's not really going to be that serious. And instead, both of them... Like, Aaron Paul's a producer on the show, jumping yeah. heads to yeah. Aaron Paul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, coming off you know, fucking Breaking Bad and arguably struggling to do anything other than this since then, but, you know... He had two seasons of Westworld. Sure. <laughs> but, like, we all collectively <laughs> just politely ignored Westworld. <laughs> yeah, but a, a pretty big get, I think, like, the trio he... of Arnett, Bree, and and Paul, like, no disrespect to Amy Sedaris and Paul F. Tompkins, but, like, these are your three names. You're like, oh, they're in it, kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I think he is also, like, the big draw, because he is obviously the last build on the show. Again, mm-hmm. he got a producer credit on it, and ultimately is the one who... I'm, I'm not going to say that they, like, drop the ball on Todd or something, but is the one that, like definitely doesn't fit into like their main plans in the way as the others where like they have to kind of figure out Todd shtick almost in like a side partition to the rest of the show yeah Todd just wanders through life getting into harmless adventures I think pretty quickly they learn how to thread his stuff back through Bojack's stuff in a like surprisingly clever way whereas at first he's just in a silly little side adventure and like I kind of noticed in the very first episode he's a little bit more uh, with it <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, and he will just become this like bumbling, slow thinking, but like beautiful mind kind of thing. Um, like, yeah, I, we're, I we're... love whenever he has one of his incredibly long realization trains and <laughs> comes to the right conclusion every single time, but goes to it through the most tenuous non sequiturs imaginable. It's just, it's just funny to think of like season one Todd doing the Henry Fondle arc. <laughs> I mean, he does build something near the end, doesn't it? He builds... Oh, when he's um, pretending he's... He, like, builds something... Oh, it's the David Boreanaz tour. He, like, builds an animatronic David Boreanaz being like, ah, turn off the lights. And it's like, I can see where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Aaron Paul is Hispanic, but Todd's last name is Chavez, so maybe (laughs) even more of this, but maybe you can get away with that a little bit more. Um, yes, uh, Todd Bojack's uh, dim-witted little roommate, and Paul F. Tompkins rounding it out uh, as Mr. Peanut Butter, Bojack's rival, Diane's boyfriend. I'm just going to say up front, I don't really like Mr. Peanut Butter. He is <laughs> he does generate comedy, but I I kind of empathise with Bojack and want to punch him in the face a lot of the time. <laughs> so I think that's what makes the performance so good. Yeah, yeah. And Paul F. Tompkins, because like... You cannot pin an emotional storyline on Mr. Peanut Butter in the same way that you can Bojack or mm. Princess Carolyn or or. Diane. They give it a damn good go every now and then, though, and I think they he's do. game for it. But like, yeah, he he lends himself to it the least naturally. And I mean, this predates the the nomenclature of like Golden Retriever boyfriend, right? Like, <laughs> but yeah. here he literally is as one, and I get it from that perspective. Like, he is just he is loyal. He is dumb as a brick, and like you know, those two things are the hard swing back and forth all the time. There is a lot of love there, but he's also super fucking annoying. 
but in a but good I, I, way. Again, I, yeah, I do really <laughs> like where they end up with him and Diane at mm. like the later points where they are like yeah. going through their divorce, but still having like lots of chemistry with each other. Yeah. And okay, so as I said, this is season one, and we are going to put Ben's chaotic method of podcast preparation to the test of Ben. So if you haven't heard any of our podcasts before, I take tons and tons of notes. I try and watch the stuff as close to when we're recording as possible to keep it in my brain. Ben will be like, ah, fuck it. I'll watch it three weeks in advance and just do it off the top of my head. Um, Oh, God. So we're going to put this to the test. And Ben is going to give us an incredibly short synopsis of each episode. (laughs) Okay. Episode one. Uh, Bojack Horseman, the Bojack Horseman story, chapter one. Yeah, so Bojack Horseman, episode one, is basically... But just setting up kind of like all the characters where it's basically... Uh, Bojack is supposed to be writing an autobiography of his life and ends up getting assigned a ghostwriter, Diane. Meanwhile, God, I'm trying to remember what other... Yeah, you don't have doing. to go beyond that. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with just what Bojack did in that episode. We'll get into anything else funny. Uh, episode two, Bojack hates the troops. Kind uh, of this self-explanatory. One, this one is Bojack... <laughs> Bojack steals, um, some, why does it steal? We're already getting into contentious territory. <laughs> Bojack, Bojack decides to purchase, um, some food at a supermarket that I've got called dibs by a, by a Navy SEAL. Um, a and literal then has, SEAL as well. <laughs> a literal Neil SEAL. McBeal, the Navy SEAL. Thank you. Uh, and then has to defend himself, uh, from all manner of accusations against him over the course of several days i think so yeah that's basically like like muffin basically basically the entire plot of the show yes uh episode three prickly muffin this one's just uh basically like we're playing into the the fact that bojack horseman was the star of horseman around and sarah lynn has come back but she is like a riff on miley cyrus era like i've got out of disney and now i'm like really really hot on sexual and all the rest of it um (laughs) but but basically the the first uh, this is really the third episode of the first inklings of like the show getting darker where mm-hmm. the creator of horsing around Herb Gazaz has got cancer and Bojack sleeps with uh, a person he's known since he was like six years old. Who like very formatively like looked up to him, life influenced by him, spent many years professionally calling her his daughter and then yes, bangs her in a massive drug fueled uh, yeah, bender. Uh, episode four is called Zoe's and Zelda's. Uh, oh god, um, four is four is rock opera. Four is Todd tries to write a rock opera. Bojack gets nervous about like how successful it is getting, so basically hires character actress Margot Martindale to sabotage the rock opera at the last minute. Another one of those things where it's like this is right here in the fir- in these like quote unquote bad first few episodes. A multi-season arc for Margot Martindale playing I, herself. I love it, because obviously Margot Martindale has only recently, at the time of the show, kind of like popped where she is. <laughs> she's won the Emmy for Justified, um, I guess like three years before now. But like to, to stake your claim on like, yeah, people are going to know character actress Margot Martindale. And then to also include at a later point a character actress Anne Dowd who looks similar <laughs> to Margot Martindale joke is like... Yeah. Incredible. And again, like getting into that, like it's very behind the scenes, wink, wink, nudge, nudge at how Hollywood works and everything. Number five, oh, live fast, Diane Nguyen. Uh Diane's dad has died, and so they go to Boston to organize the funeral. Meanwhile, Princess Carolyn Todd turned Bojack's house into David Boreanaz's house. Yes. 
possibly my least favourite episode in the whole show. I cannot fucking stand Diane's Trashy Brothers. Episode 6, our A story is a D story. Well, obviously, this is the one in which Bojack Horseman, of course, drunkenly steals the Hollywood, the D from the Hollywood sign, creating the, probably my favourite recurring joke across the entire uh, entire series, which is, uh, the D gets exploded at the end, and so everyone must refer to Hollywood as Hollywoo for yep. the rest of the show. Every um, single mention is Hollywoo, <laughs> Hollywood News Tonight, you know, reporting live from Hollywoo, etc. Also, Todd's in prison and and has like <laughs> gang gang. Um, he does the two dates at the dance sense. thing, yes. but with the fucking neo Nazis and the Latin Kings. <laughs> Episode seven is called "Say Anything," not to be confused with the movie "Say Anything." Which is probably one of the highlights of the season, which is the Princess Carolyn's uh, agency merges with another agency, and it's basically her succeeding, or like trying to one-up her rival Vanessa Gecko, um, and then ultimately having it all thrown in her face by Bojack at like, the last minute. Yeah, desperately trying to get Bojack a movie and stuff. Uh, episode 8 is called The Telescope. Bojack decides to go make amends with Herb Gazaz, creator of Porson Around, who has got cancer, and is kind of like a split flashback sash Bojack being an absolute trash human in the present day, which culminates in Bojack mistakenly uh, thinking that Diane is coming onto him and kissing her, in the same way that Herb does in the past, thinking that Bojack is also into him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just occurs to me, at no point, I guess other than... <laughs> the very beginning when I said about the, the, the depressed horsemen, have we acknowledged this is a world where like anthropomorphic animal people and no one ever comments on it like Princess Carolyn as a cat Mr. Peanut Butter as a dog etc etc. It's funny for a show like this, for they, they do just enough to make you not think about it, like you know mm-hmm. there are things where like like when I watch something like Cars or Elemental, they haven't done enough to make me not think about it so I'm constantly mm-hmm. thinking like uh, like, wait, why do why does the world of cars have stairs? Like, they're cars. Like, this makes no fucking sense for them to have stairs. Why do they have a world that is yeah. just like the human world, except it's this? Yeah. Or, but then I love when they turn it around and they have them behave like animals just for a moment. Like, <laughs> oh, someone's at the door for Mister Peanut Butter. And like, one of my favorite line deliveries in the whole show is like um, Alison Brie being like, Mister Peanut Butter, you're a good boy. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we also need to get into like the season two chicken episode, which is one of the most like <laughs> yeah. existentially confusing episodes of the entire show. Yes, uh, episode nine is called Horse Measure. I watched this one like last night. Uh, oh wait, no, okay. So this one is obviously the debut of uh, the best character on the entire show, Vincent Adultman. <laughs> yes, we'll get to the Vincent Adultman hour later, don't worry. Uh, and that's it. That's the only synopsis you get of that episode, uh, other than, I guess, Bojack. Bojack tries to stop uh, Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter from getting married because Diane probably recklessly agreed to get married to Mr. Peanut Butter. Um, mm-hmm. And then by the end of the episode, they have gotten married after planning to do it like a year from then. Mm-hmm. Episode 10 is, goes by the name of One Trick Pony. Uh, this is, they are trying, to, they are making the, the story of Mr. Peanut Butter confessing his love to Diane by stealing the D from the Hollywood sign, which is not his story, uh, into a movie starring Bojack Horseman as Mr. Peanut Butter, Naomi Watts as Diane, and Wallace Shawn as Bojack Horseman. The guy that says indubitably? Um, yes, and then episode 11 is down at ending. Uh, which is basically, uh, Diane has leaked the book 
will leak the first couple of chapters of the book that she's written about Bojack. Bojack goes on like a massive drug fuel bender in like what is actually some like really quite cool animation stuff mm-hmm. that goes on in this episode. And it's like a big old, I, I don't want to call it a vision quest, but like really yeah. is kind of like threading a lot of the seeds that are across the season and setting up a lot of the stuff that's going to happen in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, before ultimately he like goes, goes to ask Diane if he's a good person. Yep. And how is that answered in the episode later? Not at all, uh, but he does win a Golden Globe for a book. Uh, <laughs> Which is in the... his hand in every single shot of the fucking episode. Truly an incredible joke against Huffpar at that point, where he's just like, I don't know if you guys understand it. It's, it's not a comedy or a musical, it's also not a book. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is basically Bojack. Like he's, he's decided he finally wants to make the Secretariat show, and they obviously compare... Bojack to Secretariat and his suicide at the age of 27 mm-hmm. um, and Bojack just trying to make this movie happen because he thinks it's going to fill a hole in his life uh, Bojack is just a fundamentally miserable person and nothing will ever fill the hole that is his existence well done 12 out of 12 for you Benjamin we are going to get into we're not going to like literally then drill open these ones and discuss every single one of them one by one Again, an alternate universe where we could be bothered to do 60 episodes of this show. I, um, I, I do think this show is dense enough that you could... You could. Of- you absolutely could. We just don't have it in us. <laughs> Before we get into the general, like, what works, what doesn't work, favourite bits, themes, pull all that apart, of those 12 is the one that stands out to you as an obvious favourite. I am really a sucker for the Princess Carolyn stuff, but I feel like yeah. saying it is kind of like the obvious answer. Um, so, like, if, if I may... Um, for me, it was downer ending with a bullet. Like, absolutely incredible episode of the show. One where I was like, holy shit, what is this show? On this rewatch, I'm like, you know what? Say anything as, like, an exercise in script writing is fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> so those would be my two. Like, if you want to claim one, I'll claim the other. I really don't mind, but... Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I might, I might go for say anything. My other one is obviously the telescope, just because I do like mm-hmm. that kind of, like, the, the way that one comes about. But I do think there is... It's... I think... Down you know, the, the telescope works in hindsight because of where Herb Kazaz kind of like ends up by the end of the show in terms of like his importance to Bojack's life, mm-hmm. as opposed to that episode being like a big standout because yeah. But um I mean I think downer ending works better for you because it's such a, it is such a flex of animation at that point in the season. Like I, Yeah, I, I think it works I think the effect has worn off now. You know, not completely, but you know, not to the point where I'm like, well that's clearly the best episode. Um, IMDb doesn't agree because IMDb is ruled by fucking weirdos on the internet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, what, but what is the, the top nine point one? I think is downer ending by far the highest rated of season one. I think I would imagine like the finale or like you know stupid piece of shit and any of those kinds of things are probably the highest. I mean, it but... should be the underwater episode. Is obviously like <laughs> that one's gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, on on this rewatch, yeah, say anything. I mean, do we want a reward? Say anything by like. Making that the one we drill into, or do you want to just talk about the whole show? Let's do, let's do say anything because I think I want to make a trend of us like because it's weird where I don't think of like Princess Carolyn when I think about the show, no, in its totality. But I do think she is probably, or her episode each season is probably like the best episode of each season in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, which which makes it like this interesting dichotomy at the heart of the show where like obviously Princess Carolyn is where so much of the the parody of, or like just the the, sh- the showing a mirror to just how fucking stupid the Hollywood system is. Where <laughs> Sorry, the Hollywood this, system. 
the Hollywood system, which is obviously where you get all kinds of shit. Like, there's so many good recurring characters in her orbit as well that are kind yeah. of exclusively for her. Like, I love Vanessa Gecko. I love Charlie with a spoon. I I love Lenny Turtletaub. Like, oh God, J.K. A legend forever. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. She's kind of got her own. Yeah, Big Mouth obviously span human resources off of it, and like I didn't watch a second of it, but like you can see a world where Netflix forced them to do a, you know, Princess Carolyn's agency, and you can have all these different celebrities as clients. But yeah, I I do like that she does come with her own little orbit, as you say. I think the thing I like most about this one is it does kind of like I said, like it cleverly weaves multiple arcs together like like for it to start with just bojack is just drunk as a skunk after what went down uh with the hollywood thing um and then like you know she's like please for the love of god do some work bring in some money to this agency sends him off to his bourbon commercial he then decides he's in love with princess carolyn again because he always comes back to her every time his life is you know she's the easy option for him so Todd ends up on the fucking commercial. Todd gets drunk because Bojack switched the bourbon. <laughs> and then, like, Todd ends up back in the show. Like, it all... Yeah, it's just really cleverly done. And all done. throughout this, they've got the fantastic running joke of Bojack Horseman has decided to record a bunch of lines from Jerry Maguire for Princess Carolyn. The human head weighs eight pounds. <laughs> So anyone comes into the room with her it's just making a random line from it until you get again one of the not the not the best use of this joke of basically like the recording going on too long versus like what is being recorded so you end up with this like Todd I can't figure out how to like switch off the recording machine and Oh, I got it. And then he keeps going. It's a joke that they obviously, the most memorable version of it is always the Mr. Peanut Butter version of it, which is basically he keeps making signs and there's always like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Peanut Butter is one word, kind of. (laughs) Peanut Butter is one word. Don't write one word. I also like Arnett's delivery of, you complete me! (laughs) (laughs) Just completely destroying it. And I like that in that same, you know, again... Like, it's so multi-layered. Like, he just casually throws this out as this psychotic thing he's done because he knows that Jerry Maguire is her favourite movie. And then she ends up, like, sitting down with Cameron Crowe, the raven. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, she has been desperately trying to make... Oh, God. She's been trying to make an Ava Braun movie starring Kate Blanchett, directed by, like... I think they get Zach Braff in the end. No, is Zach Braff the... is who they want to get as obviously a joke right. of like no one but Zach Braff has the emotional depth to like make this project happen, which is a fantastic subtle dig at someone who hadn't directed a movie in quite a while and was like kickstarting yeah. at this point in time. And obviously Zach Braff is obviously happy with it because he does appear on the show as himself later on. Another very good cameo. And I don't, and then like obviously Vanessa Gecko steals the movie and she's like, Bojack, I can't date you and be your agent, so he fires her and hires Vanessa Gecko. And then they're gonna like drop uh, Bojack unless she can but then she always ends up feeling sorry for him so she has to get him a gig by the end of the day so she sits down with Cameron Crowe and pitches him this ridiculously specific book about what is it like the 80s buying zoos and and yeah it's basically a riff on every single movie that Cameron Crowe has ever done to get him to leave the project so that they can hire someone else who's going to be happy with them hiring Bojack to and it's Kate Blanchett's favourite book so that gets her to leave the Ava Braun movie and do this 
and then Bojack will be hired, and then he doesn't even want it because he's been having the events of the telescope sort of in parallel. And that's another thing they play with throughout the show where, like, you know, you're watching this, and, like, Bojack's not not in it, but, like, he's kind of taking this backseat to Princess Carolyn, and it allows for us to then go the other side of it um, the next episode. And they'll do this a few times where, like a moment in one is picked up in another kind of thing. And they do like a mini version of it with the Sarah Lynn thing. Mm. The whole intro is Sarah Lynn. And then she rings the door and he's like, now who could that be? And then you cut to like how Bojack (laughs) and Diane were talking. And then you hear the deal. He's like, I think I will never ever see her again. Ding dong. Now who could that be? And it's like, yeah, good stuff. Yeah. And like, is this the debut of Lenny Turtletop in... Uh, I think he's shown up like very briefly earlier in the season, but this is obviously like his first big outing yeah. As, yeah. as as like. Yeah. I just I really enjoy him and all his little like old Hollywood Jew phrases kind of thing. Like as I said to blah blah blah, what <laughs> kind of thing. Um, just constantly name dropping and stuff like that. I, yeah. I love how the the reference he gives as well gets steadily older and all the rest of it as yeah. well. So you have like the one where like they start relatively recent and then he ends up saying like I'll tell you what I told Buster Keaton. Oh no, I told you what I told Keaton Buster. Like, rather than Keaton. And like uh, that train looks like it's coming right at me. Like the very first movie and stuff like that. Yes, very good. And I guess they're going for the Twits is a very long livid thing with that. But they also like get like obviously in in One Trip Pony they have the entire joke of him going to get a bagel and then... yes. And then there was food there the whole time. Uh, what if it isn't a movie? What if it's a bi-monthly artisanal snack package? And this is another joke they repeat over and over, where they are bickering about whether biannual means every other month or twice a month. And that one will come back over and over. Um, well done, Say Anything. As our favourite episode, you get to be talked about in general. Uh, in, in specific. But in general, yeah, like, the first three three to five kind of episodes I think are a lot weaker. I think it's no coincidence that uh, Waxberg wrote the first three himself. They were on a very tight deadline. Like Netflix, like you can make the show if you're ready in like August 2014. So he furiously writes the first three and then they hire a writing staff and it's like, yeah. oh weird how the show gets a bit better. Yeah, which is obviously also exactly what the writers have just struck for. Exactly. Is to, basically, <laughs> if you're doing a pre-development room, then you get to have this many writers doing stuff, rather than you just basically force someone to write half a season for you before they give them a green light. Yeah. Um, and then you end I, up with, like... I, I think episode one is, like, so, like... It's two, It's 100 miles an hour. Like, it's like, let me show how clever I am, have everyone talk really, really fast, squeeze in as many jokes as I can. No one's voice has quite landed straight into your like typical like adult animation tackling a controversial topic like oh i'm gonna take pot shots or like america's obsession with the with the military and stuff like that and it's like it's not that those aren't valid points and everything and like bojack is right like you don't just put muffins in the fruit section and say they're (laughs) yours it just it feels a little bit like cheap and like I've seen this in a hundred cartoons kind of thing. It doesn't have the specificity that the show becomes actually yeah. known for later on. And I feel like they get a lot better at knowing what stuff that they are good at tackling. Yeah. Um, and it's also I think it's also in those early days where two of the best things that the show is really good at are things that aren't very common in American animation, which is a complexity to the writing mm. and to the amount of 
uh, like actual visual gags that require you to look into the background and stuff like that. And I'm not saying that like the Simpsons and Family Guy and South Park haven't been doing these visual gags, but like they're obviously churned out at a far faster rate than BoJack was. So I feel like there isn't the same level of care put into each individual shot that like some of the BoJack stuff will do. Where like I can't imagine one of those shows doing a the the joke of Princess Carolyn multiple times this season going for a run and on she's either side of her a mouse and stuff. She's banging at a mouse, but on either side of her are a cheetah going ninety miles per hour and a sloth who's basically fallen asleep. <laughs> and like to leave it completely uncommented on. It's, yeah. just, it's just a thing that if you are doing the classic Netflix thing of like watching on your phone or like watching whilst you're doing something else, you might miss it. But if you are actually a diehard, yeah. you can pause the screen and there's so much more rewarding stuff for you. And then on top of it, again, like, just the complexity of, like, Princess Carolyn's, uh, like, tongue twisters that she gets, like, progressively mm. better at doing each season. <laughs> and as you say, like, the biannual meaning, like, twice a year or, or every two years, like, the sort of things that you wouldn't normally see from this, or the kind of, like, long-running, more intellectual, in quotation yeah. marks, jokes. It's also always struck me as a bit weird that, like, back-to-back Patton Oswalt, appearances where like i like pan as well but like he's got one voice in him and like it's just like and like to have him playing this like like pinky is just always on the verge of like if this doesn't go exactly right i may literally kill myself today kind of thing <laughs> straight into neil mcbeal the navy seal who like it's just kind of a like quite sad angry you know like sad little man kind of thing and it's like, yeah, mm, it, a bit weird to not space those out more but it does feel like they were going for like a let's get a bunch of guys who can voice a load of characters and we'll have them be regulars like yeah. i would not be surprised if you turned around to me and said actually pat was signed on to be a regular and he was going to do one of the like minor characters in the sim like one of the mm. side actors in the simpsons where they voice like 70 different people and they're like just recurring and around and whatnot <laughs> to kind of like give it a bit more star juice yeah. and and that fell through at some point because obviously i mean i think Patton is in like most seasons yeah pinky but... pinky's around quite a lot i he probably does a like a third character somewhere that i've just forgotten but he's one yeah. he's one of diane's brothers oh yeah oh yeah they love to like you know and um paul f tompkins is one of them and yeah yeah they love that shit uh, <laughs> But yeah, yeah I mean, it, it does feel in those early days where, like, when you're watching the show, that like Pat Oswalt was being positioned as like this is someone who we've got on our repertoire. And then I feel like I I barely think of him in terms of like the supporting actors on the show, and I'm more likely to think of like Wendy Malick or or, or J.K. Simmons or Margot Martindale or Stanley Tucci or Kristen Schaal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just it's just interesting that they they do as you say, like put Patton so fast up front. Yeah. Um, and then by the end, it's like I don't even think he gets to be in like the the, the finale or anything like that as like a hat tip to, to how far they've come. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Kristen Shaw, like you know she's gonna like Sarah Lynn is gonna end up being this like huge character, <laughs> and like you know Shaw is everywhere in terms of animation, and like I've, I'm not I don't think this is like the first time because she's she so specializes in these kind of like whimsical little weirdos, and then. You know, this is obviously like having us say just disgusting things all the time. <laughs> I think it's this is vaguely obviously not early for her, but this is kind of like where I feel like she absolutely explodes. Like I'm looking at her 2010 in film where she was in When in Rome, Valentine's Day, Shrek Forever After, Get Into the Greek, Dinner for Schmucks, Go in the Distance, and Toy Story Three in one year. 
Yeah. So she she has a moment where she is just in absolutely everything. And I'm not sure what it is exactly that's getting her those jobs. Like, is it just everyone in Hollywood is a massive like the Concords fan? Is it just mm. the, like the Daily Show or or what exactly it is? But obviously she I think like she definitely settles into being a really, really good repertory uh like voice actor. At some point, because obviously, like Louise in in Bob's Burgers is very similar to to H. John Benjamin and and Will on that works. Like she's got the one voice, but like Louise Belcher and and Sarah Lynn are very different characters. Ultimately, yes. yes. Um, Sarah Lynn famously uh, dates Andrew Garfield, and <laughs> they kind of have two lanes of characters in the show where it's like here's the real person playing a very like over-the-top version of themselves, and here's just the absolute worst impression anyone's <laughs> ever done on purpose, like Beyonce being another one. It's like, you didn't even try. <laughs> but like that kind of like makes the joke. And Garfield, prefer... who hates Mondays and loves lasagna, and ends up falling through a hole <laughs> in Halloween in January store that has had its floors removed. I just want to say, I actually think Halloween in January would do weirdly well, like in a kind of like ironic TikTok-y way. I... Like, oh my god, we're doing Halloween in January. I, I do, Which do you prefer? out of interest in terms of like the do you prefer when they get someone to do an impression or do you prefer when they get the real person to do to do a voice because obviously like i feel like a lot later on they create fake celebrities rather than new celebrities like like, (laughs) yeah like the the reference this year to george clooney is so weird knowing that like george clooney's is like coming as a recurring reference (laughs) for the show yeah but like, it, it, in, in some ways, it's like really distracting when like Event Nicole Brown shows up as Beyonce for like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think J.K. Simmons as, as Turtle Tarv and Tucci as as Herb and like, uh, yeah, Olivia Wilde as Charlotte is is. I mean, that's a much simpler role. Um, they're not really going for anything there, but yeah, I, I think I generally prefer when it's uh, like a full on character if you're going to keep them around. But then if it's a one episode thing. You know, like to have Jessica Biel come in and be insane for ten minutes and then go away for another season. I mean, obviously, obviously, some of it pays off in like, I, is it season three when they get, when they get, uh, God, I'm, how the fuck is, uh, when they get Daniel Radcliffe? Um, <laughs> the On Hollywood show. celebrities, do they know yeah. things? What do they know? Let's find out. Yes, yes, yeah, that's very good. And like playing with his persona and everything. Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, a rough first you know, three, four episodes. As I said, I fucking hate... I Genuinely, I think Live Fast, Diane Nguyen may be my least favourite episode in the whole show. I mean, but is that... Do you like the Boreana stuff, or was the Boreana stuff... I like the Boreana stuff, yeah. But I just... I can't stand Diane's trashy family, and like... I, I think that's more an issue of I don't think they figure out Diane's role in things until, like... Mm. like later on in the season, where I think they're going for one thing, and then eventually they realise, oh no, she needs to be just as kind of like fucked up as bojack absolutely yeah like she her role is kind of i mean it's kind of a series of straight men versus these absolute insane people and like she knows best and she's actually clever and insightful and is his armchair therapist but then it's like you know she's got her own shit going on where like yeah she she quite clearly should not be with mr peanut but let alone marry him let alone marry him like in a week like, and it's, like, she even regrets the like the fucking you know like they go through all this thing where like he doesn't know her, and then he quietly proposes and she says yes, and then it turns out he did it for his fucking reality show and he doesn't give a shit about getting married because he's been married like four times or something. 
Yeah. But she just it, she will irrationally just stubbornly keep going down these paths of of uh, not self destruction like that's Bojack's thing, but she just yeah I think she just kind of is constantly at war with herself and like wanting to defy expectation and then being like well what if sometimes expectation is good kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting to watch the ebbs and flows of the kind of the main five over the course of the season where you you look at the way that the billing works and you kind of think that it's going to be obviously Will and that's going to be the big one Aaron Paul is there as like the he'll have the B plot every episode and will like be doing some wacky shit off to the side mm. and ultimately by the time you get to the end of the show you realize that like Diane has become arguably like maybe not quite co-lead but definitely like number 2 character for the entire show yeah where i feel like she's carrying a lot more and like obviously like she's kind of like there to like she's not an antagonist but she's the one that like speaks truth to bojack and like sends him on his downward spirals but then is also his most (laughs) trusted confidant yeah it's just because i noticed that like the last shot of bojack with another character in the season is him with diane and it's such an interesting flip from like where he is at the beginning where like mm. I feel like I would not be surprised if like the original idea was they were gonna have him continually like falling back in bed with like Princess Carolyn and she was gonna be that role. And instead the the smart thing the show does and one of the great structural conceits of it that's like very subtly in the background is that like as the show goes on, the characters want less and less to do with Bojack, and they become more and more compartmentalized in a lot of ways. Escape him and move on from him, and like he's <laughs> dragging them back and everything. And and she's even in this first season, she is the one who's kind of like actually kind of gotten to go away, and that becomes a recurring thing in each subsequent season, where like the big Princess Carolyn episode is normally like completely sequestered away from like where the fuck Bojack's doing each season even if his like brand of toxicity obviously is still infecting her life in a lot of ways um and like obviously like it gets to a point with todd where like later on todd is like todd and bojack barely share the screen at points Mm -hmm. later on in the show does he i think he does move out yeah yeah he fully moves out in with in with a girlfriend and and all these (laughs) all these different things and it, it is just interesting to watch them realize that bojack would not be able to keep these people in his life and the only reason we're still following them is because we're watching a television show fundamentally yeah i think the big thing in terms of like you know if we're if we're drilling down into the dramaturgical material <laughs> finding out what happened with her i think yeah. he's like you just assume he was in a big thing the big thing ended he struggled to get a second role but then we will gradually be drip fed no stuff went down to like actively contribute to him not being a star anymore and not having any friends and like being completely like on a downward spiral and like yeah i i love when you see these flashbacks to when he was perky and young and like you know he's got the like 80s stand-up comedian attire and the the sticky up hair and everything and like he's not very good and herb is and then he gets a bit better and like herb secures a show and he's like i want bj goddamn horseman and then yeah as you say he tries to kiss him the show is a huge hit bojack's really happy he starts to get a little bit more jaded and then Herb will get George michael basically, where, you know, oh, I'm gay, oh, no, duh, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and Herb asks Bojack to stand beside him because he's like, they'll fire me, but they will not fire you. So, like, if you threaten to walk unless I get to stay, you'll save my job. And then Angelica Houston fucking steamrolls through here. and just... such, a, such a fantastic, like, little piece of casting. Oh, like. Yeah. 
Like, they don't have to go as big as they do for this role. Yeah. And I think she's only in two episodes of the entire show, and it mm. really is just... Her and, like, Angela Bassett as these, like, just fucking ruthless Hollywood, like, producer types. And, and just her being like, I have, like, five conversations like this per day, and you're gonna say this, and this is what's gonna happen. And, like, I, I love yeah. the thing. And, it, again, something that I really do want to highlight is, like, how good the... Because I, I, I don't think BoJack recorded in one room, did they? They didn't actually get all these actors <sighs> together to record at the same time. No, the, the bad thing about Netflix stuff is you don't get to see as much... You know, if, if this was a DVD show, and it, it maybe season one is available or something... I, I know that, but... like, I know that this show has been sold like terrestrial rights like i know it's aired right. on like comedy central and okay. stuff like they have just, they have you know i feel like with like futurama like i i watched the dvd extras and like i can see the cast in the studio recording and like i feel most netflix stuff that the equivalent of that does not exist <laughs> like you yeah, maybe know... get a three minute youtube video to help promote it but i know some people were joking during the strike when like the the one piece cast were doing like promotion and every single time they drop a new video, they were going like, oh, look, they've got like another bit of their Stockholm Syndrome where they like lock them in a room for a day to record just endless reels of like social stuff because they're just wearing the same clothes in every single one of these videos, mm-hmm. which is the most <laughs> fucking depressing idea. <laughs> but yeah, like it, it is sad. I was because I was thinking like when we were talking this at the beginning that like I feel like it is true for a lot of animated shows as well, even when they have like big names. Uh, there's not a awful lot of like promotion in the same way for live action shows and i would really like to see these actors talk about the show and instead a lot of the time it is the animators and and bob waxberg and an alt kind of like talking about the show mm. more than anything and i because i know that like arnett and brie and tompkins and sidaris and paul like they actually do genuinely like like the show and care about it but it yeah. definitely didn't have the same promotional trail that other things did but um yeah like to to get the level of performance out of Angel- angelica houston when mm. they are li- like her and and will Arnett are saying lines at the same time and it, like oh, she's like feel- predicting his comeback and she's yeah. predicted that and she's like no you're wrong and this is why you're wrong <laughs> yeah and it but it feels like a conversation in a way that i do think that you only really get out of those shows where like they yeah. they put the money in to have everyone come in and record at the same time yeah and... or maybe they they just had yeah they both did it where like a a surrogate person filled in for the other and then they had to match the cadence it's probably on that having to match the rhythm I mean, of houston just, but yeah i mean just just to date this like the first clip from the scott pilgrim anime dropped mm-hmm. like a couple of days ago and that is really rough does, stuff man yeah it really does sound like they just did a bunch of Zoom recordings and had everyone like read their line in like one take. Yeah. And... The magic of the, of that group together in a room is just one thousand percent absent. This is just cold reads by individuals, um, and it's really really depressing. Yes, I had that in mind when we were talking about like you know getting these like traditional actors instead of voice actors, um, and this is what you're going for is something like this. Um, also, through the Herb stuff is where we meet Charlotte, who you know, was dating Herb back in the, the glory days. Obviously, they break up. She moves to Maine. She, like, you know, hints at, like, you know, they've got chemistry, her and Bojack, and she just sort of makes an offhand comment, like, you know, would you have made a move on me first? And, like, that's probably the end of it for her, and off she goes to live her whole life, and we will meet her again. But this haunts Bojack, <laughs> and we see in Downer Ending that, like, he imagines this whole life with her. 
Yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah. He imagines that he like marries Charlotte and then like has his entire life like imagines a fictional daughter who he's like mm-hmm. helping to raise and all the rest of it, and it's just the most crushing thing where like yeah. all he wanted in life was someone to like love him and to create a life and yeah. instead he's just yeah. pushed everyone away and, and just, that was yeah and yeah. like on that note like every time we, we got to wendy malik and and well and will arnett his parents are so devastatingly awful to him all the time i can't even remember. there was one like particularly bad one where I was like, oh, poor little baby Bojack. Where well, they just lay it on so thick. And they're going to be so good at these, as these characters throughout. And like, yeah, like, like in particular is going to get such a great arc and such a notable episode. You know, you know the one. So Bojack didn't defend Herb. Herb got fired. The show got worse. The show got cancelled. Um, Herb develops cancer, as, as you said. And like, you know, this is the thing haunting him. He knows he should have stood up for him. And he knows he should go and like, you know make amends and everything and they they you know he talks shit to him a bit but he's shockingly chipper and it's only when uh he goes back to say sorry when he's like well i don't forgive you and then they have a full-on fight and like yeah he just absolutely rips into him and uh that combined with the drama going on with diane and like you know he's fallen for diane obviously and i think she is drawn to him in some way but is like no well no though um and then yeah he completely spirals and that leads you to downer ending it leads you to like the awkwardness and the the big you know bojack asked in downer ending like you know am i a good person yeah and that's 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 your your theme of the whole fucking series it's that and like bojack just innocuously says to diane in one of the episodes people don't change diane and like that's basically your thesis for the whole fucking show alongside diane saying i don't think we are good or bad we are just what we do yeah, and just it's just going to be a series of conversations like that on Mr. Peanut Butter's roof with the two of them sitting out on the roof together. It ends in a really nice place with, like, yeah, he's finally going to... He's pushed through to get Secretariat finally greenlit. He's way too old for it, but he gets it anyway. Who is it that plays Kelsey Jennings? Uh, Kelsey Jennings is Maria Bamford. Yes, excellent. Excellent character. One of the, like, few that, like will pop up every now and then and i'm just like of all the people that have beef with bojack you're <laughs> you have one of the better reasons we have to talk about vincent adultman we do have to i mean I, God, one I... of my favorite niche types of joke is where one person is the same person everyone <laughs> else is completely oblivious and the same person looks insane because of it <laughs> because vincent adultman as Bojack points out, is clearly three children in a trench coat. Although I think it later turns out it's one child in a series of... Or they even play it in a way where, like, you know what? In this wacky world, maybe this is legit. <laughs> but, I yeah. like that every single time he says it as well. Like, everyone's just like, oh, you just hate him so much. Like, they, they're, they're not even listening. It's like he's saying, like, this great insult about them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful work by Alison Bray. Yeah, it's uh, it's truly a stupendous thing that like just keeps on coming back as well. Obviously, like season two is like kind of the, the the big a bigger chunk of like the actual relationship arc. But like they obviously really enjoyed it, and obviously Alison Bray obviously really enjoyed the, the like doing the performance because she's doing the the classic like little kid voice, but. Yeah, I just she plays like most of the kids in the show. I feel like. yeah, yeah, but I, I just I, there's just something about Vincent Adultman as a joke, which I think is it's like... just such a shoddy costume. Like it's a it's a <laughs> fucking broom and a mannequin hand and an ill-fitting hat 
and a child just constantly trying to like stay balanced and I my favorite is whenever they talk about like that body kind of thing. <laughs> it's like when the reveal of like what his like swimsuit outfit is going to be and it's just like a, a, a tropical and, and trench like, coat. <laughs> all he wants to do when he gets home from business is, is watch adult movies and, or watch R-rated the, movies. I went to the stock market today. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, I want to wear jeans and like you know she says how she like wants to live young and he's like that's baby stuff (laughs) very very good and as i texted you earlier don't be sad good horsey again vincent adotman is like my one there are two references that i frequently make the show one is vincent adotman is the other one is obviously the the end credit song for the show (laughs) which is so rudely destroyed by netflix I I i know i'm normally like against you on the whole auto-playing and credits skipping but like a criminal number of people probably haven't heard that song in its entirety and it's 43 fucking seconds long (laughs) come on it's truly like one of those and i understand like there's a lot of i i come from an era where like i used to pirate a lot of television to to like watch it to watch Mm. it at the same time as the u.s and none of those shows include the end credits thing and normally because american tv is structured fucking abhorrently where the cold open of one show and the credits of the previous show are aired as one block and there is an advertising segment either side of those two things happening yeah so like most network tv shows will like cut commercial break like almost just before the credits and then come back exclusively to air the credits and the open of the next show like very very weird to 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 run a tv show like that so uh, there's a lot of tv shows i've never seen the end credits for realistically but Mm -hmm. bojack horseman is probably like there's so much care to it and also like they really bury deep down like some of the guest characters in those credits that you don't even get to see who Mm -hmm. voiced half of the characters unless you like click the watch credits button and you have to like get to it in time because they're just desperate to fucking move on um Okay. Any other uh, there, I mean, I'm, miscellaneous? There's a couple of like obviously like early performances for shook characters who are going to be on the show an awful lot. Obviously, Keith Olbermann as Tom Jumbo Gumbo, who is around for like most of the show, is like their resident newsreader. I think he's really good and really game for like every single time they they call on him to to read some news stuff mm-hmm. uh, out and about. Obviously, in from the second episode, Adam Conover, who is uh, mm. one of Raphael Bob Waxberg's or Lisa. Well, obviously, he's Lisa Holtz fiance boyfriend like they're they're in a relationship and he obviously his big role is a ryan seacrest type which is just a, a, a wonderful joke yeah. um <laughs> obviously he is like most famous for being from college humor and obviously was on the like wga negotiation committee recently which is yeah. like really fun they're kind of the two big characters who are like really recurring obviously never get like arcs or storylines or anything but like are yeah. around the entire length of the show that we haven't like pointed out i guess yeah. at this point and early on you got aisha tyler as uh 16 or aquafina um, i'm you know, my hot take is i think she's probably like of the recurring actors who go across the entire show arguably like the weakest well i mean they do replace her <laughs> in, season, oh, do they? in season three yeah who do they replace her with uh danielle gaither Daniel yeah. Gaither. Um, I'm trying to think. Of it. I mean, I I really like. I don't know if it's her when it's the abortion episode, but right. 
I do really like Cedric Yarber as uh, yes. obviously Mia Mia Fussy Face. The uh, day that love is against the law is the day I turn in my bed. One of those ones where I went to look how many episodes that he was in, thinking like he had like two or three every ah, year. He's, he's around. <laughs> he's around, but like he does like three in season one, and then I think he's like one appearance a year hmm. after this. So hmm. like not as recurrent as like other actors on the show, but definitely one who like when he shows up in later seasons, they normally make a big deal of it. And I I do really really like his performance on the show i think he is very yeah. very fun one of my favorite throwaway lines uh pseudo celebrity would you say that to eric mccormick <laughs> perfect <laughs> i mean ouch but yeah oh can we just acknowledge uh this show's ringtone game is fantastic uh, I, uh, right my ringtone is actually still diane's ringtone from season two has <laughs> she got one of the many podcast ones Oh, she's got the Ira Glass podcast theme in this season. season the season two ringtone for Diane is the, the serial one, yes. where it's the serial theme song, and then this it's is um, Sarah Koenig. <laughs> it's Sarah Koenig going like, uh, uh, the story of this is that your phone is ringing. Or, like, it's just wonderful. Like I love it. Yeah. I love it to pieces. So, like, Bojack's got this really funky, like phone-ass-sounding ringtone. Mr. Peanut Butter's got the theme tune to his own show. Uh, <laughs> Diane in season one has the Ira Glass podcast theme. Todd just has dun 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 kind of thing. By it's Todd 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 Todd. Ah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, all very good. And like you hear Bojack so often, so it was very good that they got that right. Yeah, so that's season one. Yeah, it starts a little bit shaky. It ends super super fucking strong. And I think on a rewatch, you're kind of on board from like episode three. Really, like the first two were like, but. There's enough here, and like, yeah, we will continue with our adventures with Bojack the Talking Depressed Horse uh, next time with season two. Oh, I, one one last oh. thing I want to bring up before mm. we we sign off is the the other thing that I really like about the show is whenever they do flashbacks, they have the great um, <laughs> generic nineties grunge song. Exactly, and and one of my favorite pieces is when they flash back to like two thousand seven. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, there's no way you can parody 2007, and they still oh, somehow manage to like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I'm really it's like, I, it's a shame that show doesn't exist because I really want to see like their parody of like 2014. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like that's that again. It's it's a show that's only going to get better from here. I don't I don't know which season I would say is my favorite. I'm trying to think. Yeah, that's what, hard for me to say. I'm trying to think what year I said it was my favorite show on television because obviously. Part of me is thinking, like, did I... Fish out of water? And, and... There's, there's one season where I'm like, this was the best the best show that aired on television. Like, it might be five. I had it as number one on my show, on my TV show list. That is um, a very... Yeah, I, I think it's three versus five, maybe. But we'll find... That is part of this show. We will find this podcast show, even, uh, that we will find out which is our favourite. Uh, so we will see you next time for season two. Uh, we'll obviously not spend like 20 minutes saying who everyone is and we'll just get straight into our favourite episodes. Ben will again attempt to reel off. Although now you know it's kind of less fun, but... No, no, I will. I will go and come. I, I have no notes in front of me. If I could take a photo of it right now, you would see that. Like, in I know. Of- I've seen you podcast. It, it makes me stressed. 
And yet I still managed to make the podcast go long. I know, some... you're more natural than me. It's a gift. I, I need the notes. I wish I had your brain. I do not. But yeah, I thought I'd challenge it. And you may be watching these ones even earlier before we record next time. So Yeah, I've got to I've got to fit this in around my London Film Festival viewing, which is going to be <laughs> very interesting because I'm about to hit like two weeks where I'm like, I'm barely going to sleep. But by the next time we record, I will have seen Kills of the Flower Moon, which is a movie Matthew will never, ever watch. Nope. Absolutely never. <laughs> Unless they break it up into ten episodes. They it? make it into a miniseries. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's always my pitch for long movies. Why isn't this a miniseries? <laughs> anyway, thank you for joining us on our first episode of Untitled Bojack Horseman Podcast. I have been Matt. He has been Ben. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Matt. And until next time, suck a dick, dumb shits. <laughs> there you go. What a, what a sign off. I was not expecting that. <laughs>